in the $100 million ad campaign, he gets us. Here are 10 reasons why I am giving the Spock eye to this purported evangelistic ad campaign. Number one, the campaign focuses on the humanity of Jesus exclusively. That's what the creators say. Number two, the Jesus in the He Gets Us ads and videos, sorry, can only be defined as a social justice Jesus. Number three, you can search high and low and you will not find anything that resembles a complete gospel presentation in their ads or website. Concern number four, the president of the He Gets Us marketing firm clarifies the Jesus and the goals of this ad campaign, quote, ultimately the goal is inspiration, not recruitment or conversion. Concern number five, visit the search engine on their website. You won't find anything on repentance, justification, hell, denying yourself, evangelism. This is a classic seeker sensitive, a bait and switch that might bear some good fruit Hope so. Last note, if the He Gets Us campaign were preaching and teaching truth, even though they may not be my particular cup of tea, I would seriously rejoice. But the Jesus they proclaim, it just isn't the Jesus of the Bible. And for those reasons... I'm out. I'm out. So I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> Clap for Jesus this morning. You notice he said 10 and I only gave you six. That's because I was fed up by that point. <laughs> I hate it when people so publicly and graphically demonstrate how incompetently ignorant they are. What happens in this video, and there are a bunch of those out like that, um, they are demonstrating how clearly they misunderstand what the He Gets Us campaign is about. They only portray the humanity of Jesus. We're talking about 30 second ads. And then to say it may produce some fruit, I hope so. Well, if you think it does, then shut up and, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> the, the, in, the incompetence and misunderstanding of those videos all around the country that are popping up are amazing to me. It amazes me how quickly we are to respond from a platform of not understanding what we're talking about. And Christians are incredibly vulnerable to that. We often speak about issues we really know nothing about. And this He Gets His campaign isn't about theology. It's not about portraying the full gospel in a minute and a half. It's about capturing the attention of an unchurched community and then pointing them to a church where they can be discipled. And if you have a problem with that, then you've let me know what sort you are of. And um, misunderstanding abounds. But here's what I know. Jesus loves louder than misunderstanding. We've talked about Jesus loved loud because he lived loud. He loved louder than 
uh, labels than adults, than pretense, and this morning, he loves louder than misunderstanding. And misunderstanding in the body of Christ, sometimes among us all, can be comical and sometimes it can be tragic. There's been as much damage done in the kingdom by Christians who misunderstand a situation and respond out of their misunderstanding, and people are damaged by that process. But I want you to know that even though Jesus was misunderstood, he loved louder than that. Now, sometimes it can be comical, right, when you misunderstand something? Well, since you don't have an example, I'll give you one. My sister, who has passed away, was married to a guy named Tim, and Tim and I had a unique relationship. I could give you stories where, anyway, I won't go into that because that could be a whole other message, but I asked him when everybody called him Scratch, and I said, do you want me to call you Scratch or Tim? And he said to me, well, my friends call me Scratch, you can call me Tim. <laughs> there was no misunderstanding in that at all. But we were at the airport for some reason waiting for something and I said to him, I just said out loud, I was tired of sitting and I had my back hurt and I said, I need to stretch my back. And I looked over at him and he's giving me the most quizzical kind of look. He's a big guy and he's looking at me kind of, and I said, what's wrong? He said, did, did you just ask me to scratch your back? <laughs> Not a chance. Not a chance. And if he had reached over to scratch it, we would have had a conflict over a misunderstood statement. I love to read stories about how people misunderstand music that we sing. One child was heard to sing, bringing in the cheese instead of bringing in the sheaves. I love this one. A maze of grapes, how sweet and round. The song, Jesus Gives Me Sweet Peas, was sung, Jesus Gives Me Sweet Peas. And I don't know what the person was, don't you think you ought to listen to the words you sing, what's coming out of your mouth? How would you like to sing this one? <laughs> I am a turnip, I will follow Jesus. I'm a turnip? No, the song is, I am determined, I will follow Jesus. I'm not a term, turnip. Um... He leadeth me beside distilled waters. You need to stay away from those distilled waters, pal. And then, um, how lovely are the messengers who bring a mess of new peace instead of who bring a message of peace. And this one probably is the best one. Um, instead of singing in excelsis Deo, someone was singing, those eggshells are a day old. So it's like, what do we even think about? Misunderstanding. We can laugh at those, and they're humorous. But on the other side, misunderstandings can be tragic. They can be hurtful, difficult. A few years ago, in a small town, a person was telling the story of an immigrant family that moved to town and bought a local gas station. During their transition, they had to reapply for their license to sell things like lottery tickets and tobacco products. During that transition time, a young man who had served in the military came in and asked to purchase a lottery ticket and he was denied. He was a proud veteran and he thought what they said is, no, we can't sell you a lottery ticket 
it's because of your service. So an immigrant family saying to a veteran, we will not serve you because of your service. And he angrily stormed out of the store. Soon in that community, social media was flooded with reports of hateful immigrants who had bought the gas station in town. Refusing to serve veterans because of their service. When actually what they said was, knowing they had no license to do so, the immigrant never said, it's because of your service, said, I can't sell to you, but thank you for your service. And an entire media machine got behind the misunderstanding of a comment that was made. And too often we call that church. Come on, help me now. Jesus loves bigger than misunderstanding. And we need to know how to deal with those. You can't read scripture and not recognize that Jesus was often misunderstood. I mean, think about how we get the earliest record of Jesus' dialogue in Luke chapter 2. When Jesus was 12 and traveling with his family and they lost him and they couldn't find him, they finally find him in the temple and he says to them, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. They misunderstood him. Now, let's back up a little bit, okay? We make a big deal, and we should, that Jesus was the son of God. But at that stage of development, and he's growing in stature and favor with God and man, he's still 100% human. And I'm just gonna tell you, if I had lost track of one of my kids and I'm looking for them and they looked at me and said, you should have known where I was. I'm going to be about the father's business. But Mary, knowing something was happening, kept all these things and pondered them in her heart they totally misunderstood what Jesus was saying to them as he's growing into his calling through the human side of Jesus. In Mark chapter 3, his family went to take charge of him because they thought he was out of his mind. And some of you may have had that kind of experience where you came to faith in Christ. I remember dealing with college students and a young man came to faith in Christ and his parents would rather he be a drug addict and in prison than to be a Christ follower. He must have lost his mind. How harsh can that be? The teachers of law accused of being possessed by Satan. And before you just pass over that, imagine what it would be like if someone said to you, um, and this is often said in some settings, oh, you speak in tongues, you must be demon-possessed. How many of you would take that? Well, I wouldn't. They totally misunderstood him. His own disciples <laughs> didn't understand the meaning of his parables. They didn't get what he was talking about. And I'm not, trying to be, um, I'm not trying to be overly dramatic here, but it is frustrating. They used, to, they used to mock me or tease me a little bit. How many have heard me say, I want to be perfectly clear? Why would I say that? Because sometimes your hearing's not really clear. 
I've had people quote me saying things that I never said or to misunderstand what I meant. I was, um, I've been in those scenarios where people did not understand what was going on. It tells us in Mark, after Jesus predicted that he must suffer many things and be killed, Peter rebuked him. Not on our watch. After his death, his disciples, two of his followers said, we hoped he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. They misunderstood his mission. And Jesus said, destroy this temple three days, I'll build it up. And they thought he talked about the physical temple, not understanding. His entire ministry was filled with people who didn't get it, who misunderstood what he was saying. Now, why did that happen? Well, number one, it happened to Jesus because some didn't want to understand. Do you know that? Do you know that sometimes, have you ever watched that? Some people don't want to understand what you're saying. And so they'll misconstrue it and throw it back at you. I was in a, a meeting in an official capacity not that long ago. And in the conversation during the meeting, one of the ministers got mad, threw stuff on the floor, and began to yell at me because he apparently misunderstood what I was saying and got so mad that he wouldn't allow me to explain because the truth is, he didn't want to understand. The Bible says his disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more. He will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. That is why I speak to them in parables. Those seeing, they do not see. Hearing, they do not hear or understand. And in spiritual matters, church, listen to me. You have to want to understand. And if you don't want to understand, God's not going to give you more revelations. Sometimes we need to stop in the middle of situations we're facing and say, God, help me see what is true. But if you don't want to see it, you won't see it and he won't help you. Um, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 26, when Jesus was betrayed, the betrayer Judas had arranged a signal, said, the one that I kiss is the man, arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, greetings, Rabbi, kissed him. Jesus said, friend, do what you came for. The men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, with that, one of Jesus' companions reached for a sword, drew it out, struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword, and then he says to them, you're not getting it. You're not understanding what's happening. Don't you know that I could call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal 12 legions of angels? Do you know that God can solve every misunderstanding? But sometimes we need to pause before we call fire down from heaven and ask God to help them see the error of their ways and put them out of your misery. We need to wait and see what God is wanting us to learn and understand through that process. There is something more going on. Peter, you don't get it. This isn't about, this isn't about attacking right now. There's something else going on. You don't see it. 
at all. And in spite of all of those illustrations, all those things that happened, people that misunderstood intentionally, that were malicious, that didn't want to know, and Jesus is in the middle. What is he trying to do? He's coming to give them new life, to redeem them from their sins, to take them from heaven to heaven. And they're fighting him on every step of the way misunderstanding maliciously and sometimes just ignorantly. But Jesus kept loving. Are you hearing me this morning? Jesus loved louder than their misunderstanding. He wasn't limited by that. He didn't call the 12 legions of angels. And Peter tells us this about Jesus. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. No one could bring a charge against him. They hurled their insults at him, but he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sins and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you've been healed for you are like sheep going astray, but you've been returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. When they accused him when they misunderstood when they falsely attacked him he kept loving and I will tell you for my life that is the hardest challenge of my life in discipleship (laughs) I'm going to say this because you're just looking at me to keep loving stupid people (laughs) to not take the attacks personally over the over the years of ministry I can't tell you all the things that have been misunderstood, all the things that people have said, and you can't afford to respond to that and keep your heart right. When Jesus was attacked, he kept loving. When he was misunderstood, he kept loving. He's a model for us. He loves louder than misunderstanding. Misunderstanding leads to false accusation, which leads to broken relationships and a deepening conflict. And what did Jesus do in the midst of all that? He didn't respond how many are hearing me this morning he loved louder than misunderstanding so then you and I will be misunderstood (laughs) count on it it's going to happen put it on your calendar Wednesday misunderstanding day (laughs) Paul is trying to help the church at Corinth And he tells us this about his interaction with them. Now, this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in this world and especially in our relationships with you in holiness and sincerity that are from God. We have have done so not according to worldly wisdom, but according to God's grace, for we do not write you anything you cannot read or understand. (laughs) We've lived right. We've taught right. And we've written to you at your level. And I hope, as you have begun to understand in part, you will come to understand fully so that you can boast of us just as we'll boast of you in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Paul's day, Paul is trying to raise up a church for the glory of God. And he said, you're starting to get it, but you haven't gotten it all yet. You don't fully understand 
And it's common in scripture, it happened to a lot of people. If you, we could go on all day with those, but let me give you a couple of examples just to clarify how intense this is. How many of you remember about Hannah in the Bible? Hannah wanted a child and she didn't, had not received a child. She was barren. And the Bible tells us that she is in prayer when Eli the priest sees her praying. And she is so intense, she is so deep in seeking God. As she kept on praying, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart. Her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Let me pause there. I don't know if you've ever been there, but in a place where you're so broken, so deeply in need of God, that there are no words to come out. Her mouth is moving. She's not saying anything. And the backslidden priest by the name of Eli, who's lost the touch of God because of the behavior of his sons at the temple, looks at her with no discernment and says, how long will you keep getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Let me just tell you, church, listen to me, please. Don't expect people who are not born again to understand your commitment to Christ. Don't expect people who are non-Pentecostal to understand speaking in tongues and the moving of the spirit and the things that we believe. I don't know if you've ever had that experience, but make sure your heart's right and you're doing the right thing, but you cannot expect people to understand what God's doing in your life. So don't depend on the affirmation of unregenerate people for you to continue going on doing the right thing. Houses will be divided, friends will be divided, families will be divided over your faith in Jesus Christ and you just need to know they will misunderstand you. And you've got to take the stands that are biblically sound. They'll think you're out of your mind. You've lost your way. David was misunderstood by Eliab. Story of David and Goliath, which is a wonderful story. It's one of my favorite Bible stories right after all the others. <laughs> and this giant is down in the valley. And I'm tempted to preach that whole story and, and what, what it meant when David took his sling and his stone. But don't think for a minute that David walked down there without having any idea what was going to happen. If you study giantism, you'd find out that Goliath wasn't the threat, only in his size, and that the, the shepherds of Israel with sling and stone could knock birds out of the air. They could hit a target at the width of a hair. That the force of that stone coming out of that sling was at the same velocity and power as a 45 caliber handgun. He was going down with a weapon. And, and the, 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 the army is standing there terrified of Goliath and God puts something in David's heart. And I don't know if you know what that's like when God puts something in your heart and you wanna pursue God and see God do a miracle and you begin to move forward and people begin to attack your character. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Now let's pause there. David's not using wisdom because he's saying you're letting this disgrace stand. 
Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And, and there'll be times in your life you'll even look at the church and wonder, why are we not standing up? Why are we taking a step? Why are we sharing our faith? Why are we praying for the sick? Why are we letting the devil triumph? And David is asking those questions and the religious crowd will never respond with favor when you want to move forward in the power of God. They repeated to him what had been said and told him this is what will be done for the man who kills him when Eliab David's oldest brother heard him speaking with the men he burned with anger at him and asked why have you come down here and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert I know how conceited you are how wicked your heart is you came down only to watch this battle he misunderstood David wasn't there as a voyeur David was there as a champion of God God had put something in his heart and wouldn't you think that the church would rally around and say David if God has spoken to you we'll be with you we'll stand with you we're on your side let's go take that giant but instead misunderstanding led to an attack to criticize the passion of a young man who wanted to see God's kingdom advance it'll happen to you Joseph's family misunderstood his calling. Genesis 37, 8 to 10. His brother said to him, when he told about his dreams, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and what he had said. Then he had another dream, told it to his brothers. Had another dream, the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down. When he told his father and his brothers, his father rebuked him. And said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? Yes, you will. Now, David probably shouldn't have revealed it in the time. And we can question all of that. But if, if or Joseph, Joseph's father was a patriarch. And he should have been listening to the voice of God. Because what Joseph is saying, a day is going to come that God is going to elevate me to be the deliverance for our nation and our family. But instead, they misunderstood and they ridiculed. So let me just encourage you. Don't let anyone take away your experience with God. Don't let anyone take away your vision from God. Don't let anyone take away from your calling from God. Now, I will say that you also need to submit that to the authority of the elders that you trust that are also walking with God because I've watched people who are delusional and have, and have, have um, um, justified their delusion based on what God has said. And I'm just gonna tell you, if you come to me and say, God has told me or God gave me a dream, we will discern it together. I'm not just gonna accept it. I'm not telling you to cast away discernment. How many are hearing what I'm saying? But when you know you've heard, don't let skeptics take it away because they don't understand, because they misunderstand. You have to get used to the idea we will be misunderstood. Now hear me, we will be misunderstood, but God help us to not be guilty of misunderstanding. I'm gonna say that again. You will be misunderstood, 
But don't become guilty of misunderstanding when God is speaking and when God is moving in a direction that he will verify you. So how do you love beyond understanding? How do you do that? And I, I've read this week and I've researched and I've prayed and I've studied. How do you get over it? And I've come to the conclusion, you just, you just can't, let's just pray. <laughs> now I came across a model that I thought would be really, really helpful. helpful. It's really, really simple. And I want to encourage you to think about it. Ready? Three steps to deal with in the midst of misunderstanding. Number one is own it. Own it. What does that mean? Well, first it means if you've messed up, own it. Own it fully because the offense is against a holy God. What that means is when someone misunderstands you, it could be your fault. Now, if they weren't so thick-headed, well, maybe if you weren't so thick-tongued. Own it. You might be playing a part in it. But have you ever watched people when they're misunderstood? Oh, my. A self-righteous, pharisaical spirit takes over. Because I knew what I meant, and I can't control your thick-headedness and your inability to understand how many are hearing me right now? Misunderstanding might be that you're a contributor. So own it. What have I done here to contribute to this? What have I done that has made this more difficult? Search me, O oh God, and know my thoughts. Try me and know my heart and see if there's some wicked way in me. One of the ways that I've tried to deal with this is to say to someone, say back to me what you just heard me say. Because I'm responsible not only for what I say, but for what you heard. And I don't know what you heard if you don't tell me. And when I ask you to say back to me what you heard me say, give me the opportunity to respond to that. I'll own my inability to communicate. But you have to give me an opportunity to do that. And that starts with owning it. You might contribute. And, oh wise one, smartest person in the room filled with wisdom discernment and power you might not get it you might be ignorant you might be thick-headed own it in fact I think it would <laughs> I think it would help some of you to turn to someone and say I'm sorry I'm such a dork can we try this again wouldn't that be supernatural I mean that'd be you'd have revival breakout in your spirit Sometimes you need to own that you didn't get it. I don't understand it. I don't know what happened here. It doesn't mean you're wrong. It means I... So where does misunderstanding begin? By owning it. There's a misunderstanding in the room. Let's not fight over it. Let's try to resolve it. Let's try to get the answer. And that's by owning. I may have misunderstood. I may have miscommunicated. It's an owning of the problem. The second suggestion... Um, and let me back up in 1 John chapter 1 as a scripture text. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have, or he is the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, 
cleanses us. As we walk in the light, his spirit will begin to cleanse us by bringing revelation to us. When the spirit of truth has come, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. And then First John goes on to say that if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Matthew chapter 5 says, if you have a dispute with a brother or sister, agree with them while you're in the way, lest you pay the full price of the transgression. In other words, make things right and they'll never be made right as long as you are completely holy totally innocent and the source of all knowledge and wisdom own it second and this is difficult is to confront it when you've been hurt, Ephesians chapter 4, read 29 to 32, what all is described there. When you've been hurt, go to the person and talk to them, listen to them, and pray for them. And in this one particular outburst that I'm talking about, I said, please stop. Let me explain. Let's talk about this. You're not understanding what I'm trying to say. And it is possible that they may not be as wrong as you think they are. It may be that you've heard something they didn't intend to say. How many misunderstandings? I, um, <laughs> I probably shouldn't tell this. Do you know why I say that? Because that's when everyone listens. <laughs> and I really probably shouldn't. I was in a meeting where I was misquoted, my words misunderstood, and misapplied. And I said, the other person was in the building, bring them in the room and let the two of us dialogue and we'll get this resolved in the eyes of everybody. And it was absolutely refused. You can't resolve a misunderstanding that you're unwilling to confront. And confronting it means you're confronting the misunderstanding, not the other person. There's a misunderstanding here. We need to confront that. We need to put it in the middle of the table and we need to explore together because we're to live together in unity and harmony and loving one another and caring for one another and restoring. Own it. Confront it. And I'm done. Because the third one is to forgive it. <laughs> No, I want to conquer it. I want to at least tackle it. I want there to be consequences, and I will tell you there should be in a different source in a different way. But there comes times when before you can deal with an issue, you have to forgive the misunderstanding. But they still don't get it. I'm not talking about reconciling it. I'm talking about you living in a clean place. Someone was talking to me recently in a seminar is in about the clinical definition of forgiveness. And I thought, oh, I need to find out what the clinical definition is. And you know what? The clinical definition of forgiveness is very similar to the biblical definition. It doesn't mean to be reconciled. It means you release the injury. You release your right to claim payment. You release your right to demand that they do something about it. You'll be misunderstood. You will not 
keep a right heart if you can't forgive it. It may never be reconciled. They may never respond to it, but you've got to, or you'll, I've watched people all their life bitter to the grave because somebody didn't pay them back the way they thought they should be paid back. Let it go. Let it go. Own it, confront it, and forgive it. So I'm going to intentionally misquote a scripture this morning. I said, I'm going to intentionally misquote a scripture this morning. (laughs) So much about forgiveness. Colossians 3.13. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So I'm going to edit that a bit and say, as a corollary to that statement of Jesus, I think it is fair to say, in this world, you will have misunderstanding. But be of good cheer. He loves louder than misunderstanding. And let's walk in the love of God. Louder than misunderstanding. So this morning, if you've been misunderstood and you're hurt, let it go. Let it go. I'll tell you, it'll be like a boomerang. It'll come back. Let it go again. Let it go again. And let's walk in love that's louder. If you have misunderstood someone and you're carrying a grudge, maybe it's time for you to go to them and try to resolve it because we can't live in peace and unity with misunderstanding eating at the core of our being. Could we stand for a moment and just let God speak to us together this morning?
supernatural power and authority this is where it happens when you're living beyond your capability and I also want to make it really clear forgiving someone does not mean you give them access to your life again those are not the same it just means you release your right to claim a debt and you walk free of that let's live and love louder amen you love Jesus, let me hear your hands this morning. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Thanks for being part of this expression of the body of Christ, for your giving, your support, all you do for the kingdom. Thank you so much. Love someone, shake their hand, let them know you appreciate them. God bless.